remembrance that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. But we need that foundation of a house, you know, clothing, food. We do need this, but without attachment, right? We can we can live in a big, beautiful home and and be grateful and have all this data and information, but knowing that all of it is changing. And I can't if I'm reliant on these external things and material things for fulfillment, I'll never find it. I needed to raise my consciousness, you know, but peace isn't isn't in the material world, it's inside of me. And the only way to get there is really to rise above attachments of the world. You know, a different degree of detaching from the fact that my children are now becoming their young adults and their own individual selves and detaching from the need to feel that I have to control every aspect of what they're doing in, in their lives. Um, and it's still playing the role that I need to play in order to guide, in this case with my children, but being okay with whatever that end result may be. And so this is where for me, this aspect of unconditional love comes into play as well. Because if my love is conditioned on a certain outcome for towards them, then I am like stuck in this loop of being attached to what it is that I need it to be or how I need it, how I need to see it end. You're attached because you expected this person to act in another way, and you certainly didn't expect them to act in this way that they did. And now another person is now mirroring their behavior because they've had a cut, which of which, by the way, Jess, you were not a part of. So I saw myself inserting myself into this situation that nobody involved me in, but I I had was very annoyed with this thing that I was not involved in, how it was turning out. And I was on the bike. I was on the stationary bike, you know, my trainer. And I had the phone. And I love this person very much. And I just put the phone down. I stopped the bike ride. And I was just, I had Michael Singer in my head, like, your peace has been disturbed. This is your work. Your peace has been disturbed. This is your work. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I am Jess. I'm here with Beach and two of my dearest friends and dear creators that I share uh, lots of inspiration with. And through our experiences together, we've got Valerie Griffiths and Megan Layton here today. They are my retreat co-hosts. Uh, as I said, dear friends of mine, uh, fellow yogis, and I'm going to pass the mic over to BJ, who's really going to take the reins on this podcast and interview the three of us. So um, yeah, if you don't know BJ and I, we are the co-founders of Yogi Triathlete, and I am the founder of Awake Athlete, which is a, uh, a little arm that uh, has been growing and continue to water, and we'll see where it goes, but it aligns perfectly with Meg's company, which is Awake Minds. And, you know, I think that's what the three of us have is we are three minds living awake in this world. And so that said, Beej, I'll pass it on to you. Thank you. Ah, thank you for that introduction. Uh, so glad to have you guys here. I 
Oh my God. I know you guys. I've known you guys for so long. I was thinking about this in the car in some way, you know, uh, Meg, I worked with your mom like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Val, I actually worked with you at some point on, <laughs> on the yachting center grounds and Jess, we, <laughs> we met there. So, uh, this circle has been, uh, has been around for a while. Um, and it, it's just, a. It's an honor to see this whole come together with you three and see it firsthand, actually, in Maui um, not too long ago uh, to see you guys in your uh, amazingness, we'll call it, uh, up there in front of um, all, our, all the retreat guests. Um, but let's, let's, um, let's, I already know you, but let's let um, you guys introduce yourselves to our audience Who's listening here? Maybe keep it a um, couple minutes. Uh, you know who who you are, what you are, what work you're doing in the world. Hmm. Let's start with you, Meg. Sure. Uh, I started Awake Minds Yoga and Conscious Living about five years ago, and I was working at the time at a high school uh, teaching special ed and yoga and mindfulness, and. I I felt so called at the end of that school year that I just had to focus on yoga full time. And I had no, I I was so nervous. Um, I had no idea what the next steps were going to be. And I, but I, I took one step at a time. My husband Asa was in on it and um, it's been incredible to see how it's grown. Um, But in subtle, you know, it's like these subtle hits along the way, for example, having the inspiration, it just kind of came out of nowhere uh, to reach out to you, Jess, and Val and say, hey, would you be interested in offering retreats together? You know, and uh, that was back, what, in 2017 or 18. And it's been so fun to see how that has grown. And and I don't think the three of us had any idea what would happen. We just said, hey, let's go for it. And so between the retreats with the three of us, and then I live in Newburyport, Mass., so uh, I teach yoga and meditation here one-on-one with people, uh, young people, teens and adults. And then I teach public classes as well and retreats locally. Wow. Very cool. Um, just can I first say thank you so much. This is so cool to be here with the four of you. Usually it's the three of us, but the fourth BJ. This is so great. Um, he's kind of like the silent yeah. retreat leader know. that nobody knows about because mm-hmm. he's always chiming in on our class. <laughs> when Meg was just talking, I'm like, Oh, I just love that. Yeah. Your presence is with us. Um, mm-hmm. such gratitude. So yeah, my name is Valerie. I live in, um, Portsmouth, Rhode Island with my husband and three children. Two of them though are often in college. Um, and, my journey with, I guess, yoga um, was in like when I really started practicing and focusing in learning more of, of what I wanted to do. I was really curious, and that all started right around 2013. Um, and I have a studio here on my property called the Breathing Barn, which kind of started as just this space for other people in the community to come and um, offer whatever it was that they had and we were looking for a space. And so I wasn't really having classes here in the beginning. It was more of workshops and events for other people. And here and there, I would sprinkle things in more of a collaboration. Um, and since, um, COVID I have, um, 
had weekly classes, once again, offering yoga and meditation workshops, still opening it up to other community members who may need a space that are in line with my beliefs and ideologies on this spiritual path, and as well as the beautiful work that the three of us get to do out there together, as well as individually. It's just been such a, a gift. Jess? Ooh, I get to answer this too. Okay. Um, Why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my relationship with yoga um, in this life really started in the early 1990s. And the first time I rolled out my mat, it was really not that big of a deal. I was in Jamaica and I just have flashes of this remembrance of being in this like kind of hut thing. And I just remember all the bright colored mats. And I thought that was really beautiful. And, 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 <clears throat> all the people I experienced in the family that I stayed with there. It was just a really beautiful experience. And then the second time I did yoga, I was not on vacation. I was probably trying to cram it in in the middle of like a super busy day. And it was really the first time that I was ever still in my body to see all the, just the, the volcano that was underneath that I was really keeping at bay. And so, um, although I hated the class and I mean, quite frankly, I would have said back then, like I hated the teacher, <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't deny that I felt something that brought me peace and I probably couldn't even have articulated it like that back then, but I, I felt something that, you know, had me back on the mat and I've been practicing that for many, many years now. And, um, you know, and then came into my life endurance sports almost two decades ago and along with that, my whole life, I just felt this, like I was going to be in a, uh, a position in my life where I was going to be assisting people. And I remember where I would sit in doctor's offices and I'd be like, no, nah, it's not this, it's not a nurse, it's not a dentist. It's, and I could never quite figure out what it was, but I, there was a, also a part of me that just trusted that it would continue to unfold. And, um, I became a massage therapist and I remember like right after graduating from school saying to BJ, like, this is definitely the next step, but it's not it. It's a, it's a step along the way. And I knew that there was something more. I also knew I had, would become a yoga teacher for a long time. And that happened, um, in 2013, Val, um, is really when we, we met is right when I finished, yoga teacher training in February of 2013, I can't believe I've been teaching now for 10 years, that I started teaching the next day is really, when, and then that, and then it was like the physical practice. And that just was so great along with being an endurance athlete and a practice that I had practiced for a very long time. And then through that, just in the teacher that I was working with in Rhode Island, and then eventually our meditation teacher, I really woke up to the sophisticated science that is yoga and all the limbs and that it's science of the mind. And that is when I really began to feel like I was sliding into, I guess you could say, a destination of what I, you know, pray I will be able to continue to do for the rest of my life is this way where I'm assisting people with training their minds. And then this, the, evolution of all of the offerings that I've been able to put out into the world and then the retreats, something else I had known for a long time that I would do, but it's like, you don't know. I was like, how am I going to do that? I just had four people in my class, like who's going to come on my retreat? 
But the important thing that I've learned along the way is like, just keep listening and nurturing that and watering those seeds. And and now here we are um, just months away of going back to Costa Rica for the third time. And um, I think what our fifth retreat or our fourth retreat, and it's um, more than that, actually. And uh, yeah, it's just beyond what I could have ever planned. So that's kind of Yogi Triathlete was a, a byproduct of this path and a wake athlete as well. And so here we sit on the Yogi Triathlete podcast. Yeah, I don't think you can script anything and, and you know, have a firm grip on it because I think you all three explain uh, moments in your life that led you to where you are today. And, and none of that is something that you scripted or that you planned out. It's, it's, a, it's allowing, you know, this let's call it the work that we're here to do just unfold in front of us of what we're supposed to, uh, follow and be, and, and, and bring to our communities. So, so with that, um, just, can you guys describe a time, um, when your work felt extremely meaningful? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I, it just happened to me yesterday. Um, I was with a client and we just started reading, reading the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the sacred, you know, core texts of yoga. And he was having a tremendous amount of self-doubt around even just the book. Um, and he had had learning and learning challenges growing up as a young person and the first chapter, he was like all these names, the, the Sanskrit, I, I, what does this mean? I, I don't understand. And just really just hard on himself. And I said, well, we're going to take it really slow. And I've got, you know, an abridged version and, and we'll go over the characters and, and kind of give them the overarching. And, but he was so like upset with himself that he couldn't get it. He couldn't get this first chapter. And then so. Um, I guided him actually through a rain practice because he was feeling so frustrated. We're dropping in and feeling, recognizing the emotion and just supporting him in, in, uh, moving through that. And, and it started to soften and we were able to read just about three paragraphs on Arjuna. And it wasn't from the actual book. It was just a very simple, uh, three paragraphs. And he was like, okay. I understand this. Like this is a good foundation and literally in front of my eyes. So we're reading about Arjuna and how his incredible doubt, doubt, you know, I can't do this, you know, with Krishna and saying, I can't, I can't fight. And it was like unraveling in front of my eyes, this person, man in front of me who said, I can't do this. And then, and literally upset, upset, you know, because trauma really from growing up from some of our education system. And then he did anyway, and he read through it and it was like this exhale and he shared, I, I get it. I get it. And I can, you know, connect with the doubt of Arjuna. And it was, um, and so I think just witnessing clients and, um, when they have these experiences becoming awake to old patterns or self judgment and not listening anymore and not believing it anymore. Yeah. What did, um, 
what did that feel? What did it feel like, Meg? Like, what did it feel for you? What did it, what did it feel like for you inside? Like, what what stirred up inside? I I felt like, okay, am I able to trust this process? Do do I have the skills to hold space for him? And I I felt like I did, and I and it's because I I really trust and I'm confident in his wisdom. Even and I said to him, even if you don't understand some of this from the intellectual level, it's okay. Like yoga says, you don't need to get this through the intellect. It's through the experience. And there might only be one or two things you get it from the book, but it's the meditation. It's the awareness that's most important. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. Val. Um. So one of uh, one of the things that I really try to get across to my students, but I was just thinking of it, something that actually happened yesterday as well, but I guess also with my family members, so really anyone that I come in contact with, but um, is this whole aspect of being okay to meet yourself wherever you're at on this journey. Um, and because we are all on it at different points and places in our life, based on our experiences that we've had, the families that we've been born into, um, what we've come into from past lives, if you believe into that or not, um, I do. And um, seeing the power that when someone, when it's on, when they're on the mat, for instance, and speaking to the fact that, you know, it's okay to trust and be where you're at. And I heard this the other day about um, comparing. Comparison is a thief of love and a thief of joy. And so when we're in those moments where we catch ourselves, right, where we're thinking that where we're at isn't enough, it's like going back to, okay, I'm just stealing this moment of joy from myself. And so being able to offer that to someone, and I've had people that have come up to me in various different situations that have said, you know, thank you for just saying those words because um, I always thought I had to be a certain way or I had to do it a particular way, whether it's the practice of yoga physically or the aspect of sitting on our mats in in meditation um, and or just yesterday, um, my, my daughter was asked if she could read to me um, an essay that she had recently written and just even hearing her words and it was this wisdom of being okay where you're at, right? Finding that inner, inner space that allows you to showcase um, wherever you are in this life and it's in to know that we're constantly we're constantly learning we're constantly evolving always be curious and so when I hear back these gifts it's just such a beautiful um, a beautiful gift to myself to receive and it makes me yearn to be able to offer it more and more that is that that, that that's beautiful I think not trying to force your own agenda, trying to speed things up for them to get further along because you're already there. You know, you're already at a place is, is super important and it feels, uh, it feels supportive in that community, you know, in your community. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, and it's it's not. Um, I'll say it from a parent to to students because sometimes I have to think of my children also as just my students. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to do because it's like. And often I just want to push that fast forward button to kind of take all of that away. And I think in my mind, like to save them the experience of the time. And in truth, that's what exactly they need to do in order to get to wherever it is on their journey that they're at. And um, so it's, I think as teachers, as what it's also trusting ourselves to be able to do that. Yeah, I think we'll get to Jess here. Like, I think it all, you've already just shined a light on. You have to do this. You have to have the experience yourself. You have to have this confidence, <laughs> as Meg was talking about, with yourself, knowing that you can provide this environment for other people. Like, be you're, you're totally confident and safe, and you've done the work, and you've been here before, and so you're confident in, the, mm-hmm. in that and standing firm that you know. And then you can share that gift with your family or with your, your students. Um, Jess. The vision that's coming in for me, and I do feel so blessed because there's been so many moments and it really started when I was a massage therapist, where you have a moment where someone tells you that they slept through the night for the first time, or they woke up without a headache or, you know, their back didn't hurt them at work all day. And I've had so many of those moments where it's just like, my God, if that was the it like makes me emotional. It's like if that was the only massage I ever gave my whole life, it would it would be worth it, you know, to be able to be in a in a in a um, in a profession, really, uh, in a space where you can guide people out of suffering. And so the vision that's coming in, it's from Costa Rica uh, last year, and it was our afternoon practice. I was teaching. And we taught, I taught in the beautiful Sky Mind Hall and the sun was starting to get lower. And so it was just, you know, that sun, you guys, right? Like it's just Um. this golden light. And I had some really deep Soham chant, just, you know, this vibration. And then of course the jungle is just the, one of the most alive places I've ever experienced. So everything is just vibrating and, and it was a restorative practice and I was setting everybody up in a really comfortable pose and just, it felt so meaningful for me to come to each person and just make sure that their comfort was, was there. And when it was to watch them fall into this rest it was a very vulnerable pose, like this deep rest where like you just see all the muscles in their face relax and you just can feel that they've allowed their bodies to open to gravity. And it's like the weight of the world has been lifted and to hold uh, a position like that in this world where I can be vulnerable enough to say, are you comfortable? How can I make you more comfortable? Um, and to see that type of rest is the most meaningful work I think I can do in this world. Mm. Being a receiver of that 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 day, because um, both myself and Meg were on the mats, um, I, you brought me right back there, and I can remember exactly that moment, just where you came at least over to me. I can remember that, and it was um, palpable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I'm going to Costa Rica. I want that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> PJ's going to be lugging around his weighted blanket, like with all the hum- dude. It's so hot there. You have no idea. <laughs> I'll bring my puffy and my weighted blanket for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's and I think. I think this is what we're going to be pulling out are these moments that um, are probably coming from yoga classes, from work with your your students, you know, training the mind, but also through these retreat experiences. And I'm so glad you guys are continuing to do these and um, pursuing them year after year and, and bringing back, you know, some people come back again. Some Most often it's, it's newbies because they hear about how amazing it is. And I've seen the photos, I've seen you guys firsthand instruct and this is something that is not to be missed because you're going to have many moments like that of hearing birds and hearing nature and then hearing mm-hmm. yourself hearing that inner voice and then hearing your voice and and um and nurturing um vibe that just provides a space for big change you know big change this is what we all want but we just don't know how to get there mm-hmm. um Shifting gears a bit, but also, you know, playing upon what Meg was talking about earlier with this um, intellect. Um, do you guys feel there's a difference between being intellectual and being intelligent? Uh, right away, I just think of a conversation recently I had with Bob, our meditation teacher, about data and information. You know, it's like, knowing how to swim, reading all the books about it, knowing how you could, I could backstroke, you know, butterfly, everything, but I've never been in the water, you know, (laughs) like, Mm. "Mm." (laughs) you know, I can know all about how to free my mind, but it's not until I actually experience the practice of focusing on the breath or pranayama or moving through the yoga poses that um, I can actually experience liber- more liberation. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, intelligence to me speaks to like an expansion and, and I guess I would say like an expanded mind, right? And so I know all about swimming. I've read all the books, but I've never been in the water. And when I go into the water and I open to the experience, I'm already expanding. And, and now I have in yoga what we would call viyana, right? Like I have direct experience with life and moving my body within a life in a way where I can sustain myself in the water on top and not, and not drown. And I think that anytime we step into experience that's new, we're stepping into intelligence. Um, that intelligence to me is an expanded mind and intellect is the data in the information center. And it's so important. I need to know what to do when I get into my car. I need to know what to do at a red light. I need to know how to merge onto the highway. I need all that information in from my data and information center of my brain, my intellect in order to do those things. But I also lean heavily into the expanded part of me, the intelligent part of me to be able to 
feel and see when that data and information center is putting limits in my life because it is limited. It's, it's data, it's storage, it's storage. So it's, and we gather a lot of it, but it's not expanded. And so I need the intelligent part of me to expand Mm. for that expansion. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I feel is the, the two things. Um, and I've just heard Bob say so many times, like there's a lot of Harvard scholars that are really smart, but they're not very intelligent. And I remember that was the first time I really started to discern this. And I, and to me, creation is intelligent and I am in, I am one with creation and creative energy when I am present. So therefore I'm in the graces of that intelligence. Mm. Yeah. So both so beautifully said on what I'm thinking about, it was a conversation just recently also had with um, our meditation teacher, Bob, and we were talking about um, the soul, right? And so the soul can be pointing towards the mind body, the intelligence, the thoughts and so forth. Or it can be pointing more towards the higher consciousness, right? And so for me, when I think of it often, is the intelligent part is necessary. But if we get stuck there and only there, then we're not able to, as you said, just expand our conscious mind into this, what I would consider to be this space of yes intelligence so I both are are needed both are there but it's like the knowing being able to witness like where am I where is where's my soul pointing to and if it's only ever pointing to that outwardly um external aspect of mind and body then we can't expand beyond and um, so I, I think they're different, but I also think that they, they can't exist without each other. Agreed. Yeah. You got to live in the world. Mm. Yeah. You have to. And, and, and I think we, we see there is a lot of ungroundedness in the yoga world because it's like, it's all going to be okay. Everything's going to work out, you know, blah, blah, blah. Da, da, da. And it's like, eh, the universe helps those that help themselves. Like I learned that so many times with my work with Bob, like you got to take the first step mm. and you will be supported in that step. Um, but like have your feet on the ground and be awake and ready mm. to the world that is around you and participate in that world and do it from an expanded mind, mm. do it, live as if it is a practice of yoga. Yeah. That remembrance that we're spiritual beings having a human experience but we need that foundation of house, you know, clothing, food. We do need this, but without attachment, right? We can, we can live in a big, beautiful home and, and be grateful and have all this in, you know, in, um, data and information, but knowing that all of it is changing. And I can't, if I'm reliant on these external things and material things for fulfillment, I'll never find it. I needed to raise my consciousness, you know, but, um, peace isn't, isn't in the material world. It's inside of me. 
And the only way to get there is really to rise above attachments of the world. Easily said. Whoa. Meg, How so do we easy. do that? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> what? That's no. the secret. Oh, just detach. That's all I need to that's do. That's all I need um, to do. Man. Yeah, that's a really tough thing. Let's let's pull on that. Like, how does one how does one begin to work on detachment? And that can be from anything. That can be from, you know, uh, the intellect. You know, I need to pass this course and get my certification, and then I'll get you know this job, and I'll make this much money, and then I'll be able to retire, and then I'm done. Right? Like, we we get attached to the rigidity of how things go. Mm. Can you guys speak to that? Detaching. Or working on detachment? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because we're considered householders. So the first thing I would just remember about saying is like, you don't need to go and live in a cave. You know, it's like some people do and that's fine. Some yogis do. But as householders, um, you know, we have families and responsibilities. And so it's going to look a little bit different. But Val, were you, were you going to say something too? Um, well, you, you asked me, Jay, how, how we do it. And it's a, uh, a daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes minutely, um, practice <laughs> for certain. Um, and what's the coolest thing about it is this is what I always think. I'm like, I feel like I've got the golden ticket sometimes with it because I'm aware of it and I can, I can see it. That doesn't mean it's easy in any way. Whether it is um, something that is a, uh, I don't know, we'll just take this cute little bag, for instance, which is just something, you know, that I have. Um, detaching from that if I was to, to lose it. Or it's, you know, a different degree of detaching from the fact that my children are now becoming their young adults and their own individual selves and detaching from the need to feel that I have to control every aspect of what they're doing in, in their lives. Um, and it's still playing the role that I need to play in order to guide, in this case with my children, but being okay with whatever that end result may be. And so this is where for me, this aspect of unconditional love comes into play as well, because if my love is conditioned on a certain outcome for towards them, um, then I am like stuck in this loop of being attached to what it is that I need it to be or how I need it, how I need to see it end. And the same thing with an actual physical item of some sort. Like if I was to lose this and it had all of my um, IDs and belongings, whatever, all that kind of junk in there, like how do I respond to that? Well, obviously I need to at some point be able to track that, get it back and so forth. But what else is what else is it showing me? And so, um, to constantly stay awoke to it and be that witness is I, if I didn't have meditation practice daily, if I wasn't always you know throughout my days and, and weeks reading scripture, talking to you guys, having Bob as my teacher 
physically practicing, it would be much more of a struggle. So um, that's where I feel that when I say I have the golden ticket, because it's like I can witness it, I can see it, and I can actually laugh at it quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just recently had an experience with that, which um, I was just so awake to. Um, it was, you know, based on the behavior of of somebody else, and their behavior affected somebody else. So basically they took their poison, gave it to somebody else, and that other person drank from the poison cup. And I was, my initial reaction was just like, why did you have to get your fingers in there? Like now, like this other person, da, da, da. And, and I picked up, you know, had the phone and I was like, don't, your, your peace is disturbed. You're attached. You're attached because... You expected this person to act in another way, and you certainly didn't expect them to act in this way that they did. And now another person is now mirroring their behavior because they've had a cut, which of which, by the way, Jess, you were not a part of. So I saw myself inserting myself into this situation that nobody involved me in, but I I had was very annoyed with this thing that I was not involved in, how it was turning out. And I was on the bike. I was on the stationary bike, you know, my trainer. And I had the phone and, and I love this person very much. And I just put the phone down. I stopped the bike ride and I was just, I had Michael Singer in my head, like your peace has been disturbed. This is your work. Your peace has been disturbed. This is your work. If I hadn't seen that text, everything would have been fine. If I never knew about the conversation that these two people had, which again, did not involve me, I would have been fine, but I was aware of it. My peace was disturbed, which showed me my attachment. Anytime I have like a, oh, I wish it didn't go that way. Why did you have to do this and do that? Here's my small mind saying it needed to go this way and it didn't. So there's nothing I can do about it. It's already done. The only thing I can do is I can bring myself back to peace. And so... To, for me, attachment, the way I really started to understand it was like being very aware when I start, when my peace was disturbed. When I start to suffer, that shows me I'm attached. So what do I do with that? I breathe. I literally out loud talk myself off the ledge. Don't do it. Don't send the text. It's not loving. Don't do it. I've got that um, that line from the from the yoga sutras in my mind, which is like, if you're anxious or you're upset, like your mind is already disturbed, and nothing you do is going to have quality. So it's like, so I'm upset about the poison, and. I'm boiling in poison. So what am I going to do? I'm going to act from that? No, I don't want to act from that. And so it was talking myself off the ledge, recognizing that my peace had been disturbed and I had a choice to be patient, right? As Lao Tzu says, until the mud settled and the water of my life became clear again. And I could just stay out of a situation that didn't involve me to begin with. So that is comical. Yeah. All this stuff, all this stuff is going on. All this stuff is happening all the time. We just insert ourselves. We, we literally put ourselves into this situation and then we get upset because we're unsatisfied with the situation, but it all exists. It's all fine. Like all this stuff is happening with your kids right now, Val, like all this stuff is happening. 
you, but once you insert yourself in there and you know it, then the stuff begins, then the work happens. Oh yeah. Then it's right in your face. Mm-hmm. Right above your grill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, detachment, it has been a lot of talking myself off the ledge. Don't do it. Don't send the email. Don't do it. 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 Like take a walk, get back into the set, mm-hmm. the set, whatever it is. Don't do it. Like don't. I remember, uh, I think it was Philip, our, our yoga teacher that we all trained with. I just remember early on, he was, we were in um, dancer pose. And I remember he said, what if you made a deal with yourself and you only moved from calm? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, those little moments that shift your entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of those moments. And, year, you know, 10 years later, maybe even more, I'm still living it. So I'm still getting the challenges, but I'm like, I don't want to move from this poison. I want to move from calm, which as we, as Bob has taught me is invincibility. And I, I like that word. Mm. I, I want to resonate with that word. Yeah. Because that piece too, of who you were, um, just before you got that, um, the piece that you felt while you were on bike, before you saw that email, that piece is still there. And I think we forget that often, right? Like that, what you were just saying as well, like it's there and then something comes in. And so when it comes in, it's like, woof, okay, we're triggered. What can, what do we do with that now? And oftentimes we're just reacting. We're not doing it. We are just, we're not, we're just reacting and that blowing it up where the practice, I think that we could all agree on has allowed us to create that space that we can hold for ourselves as well. And whatever it may be, breath, Mm -hmm. talking to ourselves, you know, a mantra, peace and harmony, whatever that may be, allows it all to kind of settle. And then we're less attached to whatever the end result is going to be. (laughs) Yeah. And to piggyback off of what both of you said, you know, just in terms of, of, well, family, you mentioned this too, Val, just being an amazing teacher in this and detachment you know, and recently, I think it was a few weeks ago, just I had this story about a family member just really concerned and just very similar just to what you said of like, I just wouldn't be making these choices. And I wanted to step in and be like, well, what if you do this and give advice and try to control? And I didn't, but I did notice these stories and in my head. And I remember Bob saying, well, we'll pause, you know, and, and like, I know this, but just hearing it from him, it was just like, yeah. Like just being so diligent when I do notice ruminating thoughts and attachment, it's like, okay, I used to, and I still have to watch, I would like run from myself. Like, I'll just go for a run. I'm going to take the dog for a walk. But like the story's going on mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm like running from it <laughs> through this movement, you know? And then it's like, okay, but if I just pause, like what you did, Jess, like you got off the bike and take, take a few breaths or for me, it's like literally wherever I am just ha- stopping and noticing the thought. It's like, Oh, okay. Then I can see it where before it's like, and I have, I feel like I have the skills now, you know, more so where I can, I can really watch it and I can come back to center, but it's such a practice. Yeah, that's the, that is the work. It's easy to go for a run. It's easy to move the body. That is the easy, that is such an easy thing to do. But it's sitting in that discomfort and turmoil or dissatisfaction in the brain that it's, it doesn't want to be here. But being right here is the actual work. That's like, 
that is the training. Yeah. That's the mm. best thing you can do to, uh, to pursue the life of less stress, less anxiousness, less fear is like work through this stuff now. And the more you work through it now, the, the, the less intense they become as you, mm. um, go down this lonely path that we're on. <laughs> to, to <laughs> but it's so joyful but it um, is joyful <laughs> let's um let's talk about one particular family member um the knowledge that you guys have and the inner work that you all know how to do how, how has this influenced how you interact with your spouse I don't know if you'd agree with any of this, to be quite honest, <laughs> with what I'm about to say, I mean. <laughs> um, for me, um, with my spouse, Sean, um, the ability, I think, to, again, pause and be in this place of being okay wherever he is at and on his journey because it's very different than my journey. And, and knowing though, just by my own teachings outwardly, not necessarily towards him or the family or just the, the practice on myself, um, influences in ways that I might not even visibly be able to see. Um, but it's also allowing this inner work as well as kind of evolvement of his soul on the journey that he's on. And um, Bob has helped me tremendously with that because we are on different journeys and, and being okay with and giving each other that space in order to do that has been a huge exhale. Mm-hmm. I love Sean, just for the record. Yeah. I do so, too. Yeah. So freaking yeah. hysterical. So, I just wish he was my neighbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's so laid back. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. I like I like the behind the scenes info I get on Sean too. Like, yeah. like I can relate to him in so many ways too. Mm-hmm. He's no nonsense. He's a no nonsense businessman. Oh, definitely no nonsense. No nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and every aspect of his life, I feel like. <laughs> so he, yeah, and then because of that, has taught me so much as well. And the the ironic thing about um, of the of this is that this aspect of detachment that I like am learning as I'm on, um, you know, this journey that I'm so grateful for. When I reflect back. He's been kind of teaching me this since the day I met him in 1998 in his own way. So it's very interesting when I'm able to kind of zoom out and look in and see. And I'm like, wow, I never even realized that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, super cool. Yeah. um, Asa was the first partner I ever had where I felt 100% supported on the path. Um, previously with, with most partners, um, there was just like a bit of a disconnect and, and I, I did experience a couple times more of like a discouragement, 
you know, from meditating or kind of like, why are you doing that? You don't have to do that. You know, just like, what? That's weird. That's like, you know, um, and so he was the first partner I had and, and I knew there was something to it, you know, cause I did feel that freedom to be who I am. And, um, that being said, you know, and I've shared this with him and Bob, um, you know, where I, there have been times, especially earlier in our relationship where it's like, well, just come to this meditation retreat, like trying to control him a bit. Well, why meditate with me? Like, I'm like, he's like, what, what do you mean? I don't want to meditate right now, you know? And, and, um, so I've had to learn to really step back. And I was just talking to somebody about this this morning. So it's funny you asked, but, um, and just like allowing him to be on his own journey and process and, and occasionally we will meditate together. It's, but it's usually when I don't ask, <laughs> he just will like sit next to me and join. Uh, we do, you know, we'll do yoga together. Um, and it's usually for him, knowing him, he's more spontaneous. So he's, he's not a big fan of plans. <laughs> you know, it's gotta be like, if he feels that inspiration in the moment, yes. And he's taught me so much about that. Um, releasing attachment to plans big time. Like I still plan, but I'm not, and from him, like I'm not as attached, I feel like. Um, and Asa, he has this just very much um, par- part of him that like it's very comfortable to be around him. At just in my experience, like he's very accepting and um, but yet he's highly intellectual. So he can tell you anything about cybersecurity to the Bhagavad Gita to <laughs> politics. Like he's there, his intellect, he's a pizza. So he's so sharp. And, um, I feel like he balances me out cause I am more kapha, uh, earth water tend to move a little more slow sometimes. And so he like helps me to push along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's kind of the opposite on this end. Um, <laughs> and I've and I've learned through you know knowing what what makes me up right like what what is my constitution I am fiery I am very sh- sharp like I have a very logical mind I love articulating things and talking like uh, having really quality conversations I, I love that um, and there was a time in my life where I didn't mind fighting I thought fighting was kind of fun too because that was just all about winning. Um, <laughs> So that was fine. Um, <laughs> until it wasn't. Until until I started until to until I started to feel how <laughs> horrible that felt. Um, but I I think one of the things is like seeing um, you know what BJ has to offer me that patience. Um, the you don't have to react right away and being awake mm-hmm. to that. I've really embraced those qualities that he has that I obviously was attracted to calling him into my life as, as a partner in this life. And, and also that my fire is not bad that, you know, that fire is also very helpful, but it's, it's not in a way where it's like controlling anymore. Um, but I think one of the biggest things is this recognition that there's a deep, deep love here that is 
nothing I've experienced, like maybe except with like a dog, you know, who like loves you unconditionally, (laughs) but it's deep. It's like, it's, I call it like soul love. It's really unshakable. It's, it's, it's very, very strong. And, um, so that gives me like an incredible safety. And, but I understand that we were called together for all the wonderful things that that life has to offer and that we have to offer each other. We also came together because we've got some patterns that are poisonous and we have karma and there's, there's the little unworthiness part of me and, you know, the pain body of him that we came together on a high, on higher level, we were brought together to heal those things. And I think one of the most potent, um, awakenings that I've had in this relationship as husband and wife and business partners is that when we are in one of those cycles, like I'm just so awake to it. And it's just like, we're in it right now, babe, like right now we're in it and deciding what is best to do. Because again, if I'm in it and I'm feeling it and my mind is disturbed and I've got all these crazy thoughts, like nothing that we're going to exchange is going to be of quality. And so, and it has more on my end, it has a lot, everything to do with me and my work and whatever he's feeling. I don't know what he's feeling, but that's his work and he's awake to that. So I think the biggest thing, it's like, yes, we came here to do beautiful work in the world, but we also came here to, to heal the darkness that, um, is within me and, and is in with, within him too. So the light brings that to the surface and, once you turn the light on, you just can't buy into that darkness anymore. Well, obviously all four of us are awake um, <laughs> and have become awake, but we, at one point we weren't awake. At one point, you know, I'm assuming you guys were not awake at some point. Um, is there anything you miss now that you are awake? <sighs> oh. It's like once in a while, uh, I'll get a whiff. I mean, this isn't, I don't know. It doesn't mean that when you smoke cigarettes, you're not awake, but I do feel like as I get further on the path, I just know, I just stop smoking. I smoke for a while, you know, and, um, and, but once in a while still I'll smell a, a, a cigarette smoke once in a while and I'll be like, Oh, I could go for a cigarette right now, you know, um, like, like at a family party or something, you know, cause that's what we would do. My parents, my siblings, we'd all be like out having a drink and a smoke. And, and anyway, um, I just, yeah, I, and I thought I miss it, but, um, I do, I do know looking back that I had an identity with, um, you know, smoking pot and drinking like, Oh, Meg's a party girl. You know, she's always got pot and, uh, back in high school, you know, college. And I, I looking back, I'm like, Oh, I was definitely identified with that girl having fun and all that. Um, but I'm so glad I woke up to it. Cause it, it wasn't fun really. <laughs> like it was like, yeah. <laughs> In the, moment. the moment it was, <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, God, I'm thinking, and I think the identity maybe that I had or of this aspect of being limited and 
where when you're living kind of in this place of just mind body and and identifying to that, at least for myself, there's aspects of limitations that are there that, oh, well, because I was, I was born into X, Y, and Z, or because I grew up on this side of the street, because I have brown hair, whatever, whatever, whatever. There is this aspect of, well, you're limited. And when you're, when you think in that way, there's so many blinders. And I think sometimes this incredible opportunity and incredible gift that we have been woken to of this aspect of this limitless in so many aspects of our lives um, can be scary, can be a bit like, take your breath away. And it's such an incredible, beautiful thing. But there's often times where it's like, it was a bit easier when it was safe and I was just in that little box that I had, you know, been living for however many years. So I think that would be it for me. Yeah. So sort of the comfort, the comfort of, of not being aware. I was just telling this to Jess, like I think a lot of people are fearful of that. They're losing out on the comfort that they are experiencing yeah. and they don't know what that unknown element is who are they without all that stuff Mm -hmm. all that safety yeah yeah there's something to be said just living under inside that little hole that we have you know built for ourselves and once we come out it's kind of like wait i don't know i don't know if i'm ready for all this like let me just go back in so it's much easier to live in that space um but it's limited it's very limited so there's just you know what do you want I, I, you know, in, um, I've referenced this before, but Marianne Williamson has that beautiful quote about that. You know, our fear is that our biggest fear is, we're what is it, Jess? I know you said it. Yes. We're, yeah. We're our biggest. It's, it's like, we're, it's not that we're not worthy. It's actually that we're, we're more, we're powerful beyond measure. I'll put, yeah. I'll include yeah. that in the post for this podcast so everybody can, can read that. I think it's really relatable. Um, yeah, same kind of with both of you, you know, like, I mean, I grew up with like this, um, we couldn't say shut up in the house, but we could drink wine like at a very young age and, um, <laughs> we still can't say shut up. And, um, you know, like I was saying to VJ, even like recently, you know, just like on a holiday, like popping open a bottle of white at 10 a.m., like full on, like I'm going to get numb cheeks, like I'm going to get like a buzz and this is going to feel so good and we're going to laugh and all that. And now, and I just had a glass of wine last night, but now there's like so much conscious thought that goes into the freaking glass of wine. It's like my mind is dulling. You know, my mind is dulling. Oh. <laughs> So it's like, there's a part that I have to kind of like put that, okay, dull my, like I have to put that on the shelf and just like, okay, I'm just going to have a little glass of wine. I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going right. to watch a movie with my husband. Like, my God. Um, <laughs> and that forgiveness, like it's okay, right? Like it's okay. But um, also, you know, something that Bob says all the time is like, you know, the be- most beautiful thing about awakening is that you're awakening mm. and the worst thing about awakening is that you're awakening. And 
for me, I think one of the biggest things to digest and, and, um, to really assimilate is the truth that this world is a school and that we're here to learn and we're here to overcome those things that we want to stay safe and away from. And it was like during 2020 and I was reading uh, uh, Prabhupada's um, translation of the Bhagavad Gita as it is. It's intense. But I got to this part where he's talking about people who have really nice lives and they're beautiful and they have a beautiful home and they have a beautiful family and they have a beautiful job and it's all beautiful and it's beautiful and it's beautiful and it's because they're stuck here. That they haven't raised their consciousness high enough to transcend this world and they're in this beautiful sattvic energy of harmony, but they're stuck here. And that really hit me really hard. And I, I had like a little bit of like an old school, like, woo, like couldn't really breathe very well because I was just thinking about how gravity itself is holding me here. And um, that, like, I look at the comfort of my life and the comfort of my life, as much as I want to say like, oh my God, I'm so lucky. This is such a great life. I know the comfort of my life is so that I can take more time to focus on my practice, to raise my consciousness yeah. above mm-hmm. the qualities of this natural world. And that might sound crazy to some people and that might resonate with a few, but that is my truth. Um, so yeah, it is kind of nice to kind of just be like, well, some days work out, some days don't, I got a raise, I got fired, I'm going on vacation, I'm going to have some wine, you know, and you're just, there's, there's a low level suffering that's always kind of there. But once you're awake to it, you can't, I can't go back and pretend anymore. So it's like you have no choice other than to show up for life. And sometimes I don't feel like it. And, um, and <laughs> tough. You're like, I'm just going to dive in and play the game today. I'm going to take the board game out and I'm going to play. Yeah. Rolling the dice and I'm playing the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Yeah. Play the game. You know, we say that all the time. Okay. Play the game. Play the game. You know, yabba dabba do, as Bob says. Just yabba dabba do. Okay. Do the thing, Jess. Be okay with whatever it is. So, um, all that said, I wouldn't trade the intelligence the smarts, the knowledge, the love, the experiences, the fears, and the joys um, that I've traversed thus far, I would not trade any of it in for, um, for going back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all can agree, Neither. agree on that. Yeah. 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 100%. Um, all right. One final question. Talking about no limits. Uh, what's your no limit vision for your work in the world, pie is the sky. Pie is the sky. Pie in the sky. I really want to sit down with Oprah. Discuss your new book. And I want to discuss a book that I've written with Oprah. Mm. I want it to be in her book club. I want to sit down and have a really deep conversation with Oprah and share it with the world. I would love to be able just to continue to, I really love working with people one-on-one. I feel like in, with all ages, um, but in yoga and Ayurveda and, um, 
this past week, I just had the sweetest experience with a mom and her daughter and her daughter's going through some challenges just with gut health and just being able to weave in a little bit of Ayurveda tools. And it, it was just so beautiful and it was so fun. And we did yoga together. And um, I guess to be able just to keep expanding that reach young people, any age, just keep expanding that one-on-one work. And also to keep expanding my mind myself to reach, you know, just to keep going to reach higher states of, of consciousness and love within myself. So then I can, for myself and also for all, so I can keep supporting others. So I'm just going to say this because it keeps coming to me, but um, I would love to be able to, I love to travel. So if continue to travel and share as many retreats as I can with including my kids as part of it. And Sean as well, if he wants to come along, come let him come along. But, um, but the kids where they are teachers and they are on this path. And it's so interesting because I think I slip into this in meditation at times and I kind of fall into this um, like um, Captain Fantastic slash, um, um, oh my God, what was, what was that show growing up where they were traveling around in a, like a family in a bus together? Oh, yeah. um, uh, were they um, singers? Yes, they were singers. Oh, like the Partridge the, family. The Partridge yes. family. Partridge family. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking Captain Fantastic when you were describing yeah. this vision. Oh, my God. I see Liam, like the most powerful. That kid. What was his name? Yoga like, teacher ever. Yeah. Oh, my yes. God. Yes. Oof. Yeah. Wow. And so, yes, I, I don't, there's, there's just been some things of lately that, um, offline I'll share with my girls, but with you girls and BJ, of course. Um, you but anyways, like, I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about you. Warm so I are. Um, but yeah, like that they're involved in some way and it's like, I'm just this little drop that they are going to expand upon this in their, in their lives. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, coming together and sharing your, um, your true feelings and, and guidance to all our listeners. I know we all take something away from it, um, whether in person or on your lives or here uh, through this podcast. But then there's also the next next place to get uh, get more of you, which is uh, in May, um, 13th through the 20th in Costa Rica. And I heard that there's just uh, one room left, possibly. It will be filled. Yep, one room. I love th- I l- I love this room. I love this room so much because it's so patiently waiting. <laughs> it will be filled for the for the person or the the people to come and claim it. It's so. I love this room. I can't wait to see who lands in it. So by the time this launches, it should be filled. Should be. Because we're all manifesting, manifesting that it will happen. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pull the trigger. But I will be there firsthand witnessing this amazingness of these three powerful women. Um, and we'll leave uh, links where you can get in touch with them individually. But until then, um, thank you guys. Enjoy your 
enjoy your day and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, BJ. Thanks, Jess, for having us. Thank you. Thanks, can't wait honey. to be with you in Costa Rica. Oh, mm-hmm. God, I cannot wait.